There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to What a Load of Cobblers, the Pampton Town fanzine reborn in podcast form. I'm Tom Reid and I'm delighted to be talking all things Championship Manager 97-98, probably the best management sim computer game ever created. With the editor of the at CM97-98 Twitter feed, it's Dave Black. Hello, Dave. Hello, Tom. How are you? Yeah, yeah really good. And um, I guess you've been, as always, playing a bit of uh, champ man in your, uh, in your spare time, especially so with lockdown. I guess you've got more time to play it. Yeah, well... Um, still managed to catch plenty in. I mean, I'm on uh, still being at work and having a six-month-old calling around. But no, we're uh, getting getting our hours in, so that's good. <laughs> I think um, uh, Championship Manager players are always good at finding some sort of time to play it. I, it. I reckon it must have taken up when it came out and just sort of slightly after. It must have taken up so many hours of my life. I used to put it on maybe after school or whatever and i'll be there playing it for hours and hours so god knows yeah i've lost hours playing it but like how did you get into the writing the book side of it and you know the website and stuff is it just because you were just so into it that you thought why not um well to be honest what happened was um i was writing uh sort of like opinion pieces on various you know things that were happening in the, in the, in the world of football and they weren't going anywhere. It's very hard to get traction with, as you'll know yourself, like the football market's so saturated. It was so difficult to get anyone to yeah. get this get this work in front of. So um, I'd been playing uh, various chat managers, you know, forever, basically. And uh, yeah. I'd been playing 97, 98 and was talking, to, talking about it to some friends. And, you know, the, we all used to play it when we were younger and all this kind of stuff. And some of the things that were coming up were quite interesting, quite funny. Um, so I ended up starting a, a blog about it with a view to, you know, gaining a, a readership base if you like and then going from there uh as it turned out it's more popular than anything i've ever done so I, I, i've kind of just stuck with it um yeah and after maybe a year or so of doing the blog uh, i got talking to a guy called, called chris who had a, a publishing firm and he was looking for new ideas basically and he said you know i've been reading your blog i think it's got legs to, to make a book out of it so sure enough it did and uh that's uh, that's how it all became really that, that's that's great and you've got uh... You've got one book about uh, CM9798 and the other one is about the later version, isn't it? Yeah, it's a 102. So I think those two games are probably the most popular. Um, they're both kind of like the most polished version of the games of their time. So there's yeah. like the same same two series, which finished with 9798, and then the CM3 series, which finished with a 102. So um, they're both kind of the, the best of their, of their genres, if you like. 
Um, they're both fairly like a good balance between having control without having to, you know, spend your days planning your dietary requirements for your players. Where kind of that's where the yeah. new games have gone, which is you know brilliant if you have the time. But uh, as you get older, you kind of have less time for these things. So it's more about getting games played than uh, kind of the minor details for me anyway. Yeah, sure. I was going to sort of ask you what makes uh, Chapman 97, 98 the best management sim. Um, I, I think it is to do with its simplicity and um, it's 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 just it's just fun. Even now to play, it's fun. And as the game progressed and it changed, it changed developers when it went to Football Manager and stuff. Um, the the comp it got more and more complicated and for me that takes some of the, the fun out of it and and the, the funny the the humorous side and all that stuff do you do you sort of tend to agree yeah completely I mean the new games are very good you know I don't want to say that they're terrible and they should be avoided and like that they are brilliant games you know as a management yeah. sim unbelievable level of detail and if I was you know 12 13 again I'd I'd love it because I'd have all the time in the world to play them but sure um, when you've only got a few hours a night I can get most of a season done. Um, on 9798, which is kind of where I'm at, it's what works for me. But why it's the best, in my opinion, is um, well, for one, the 90s football was generally better. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. It's uh, not just because of the the way the game was, but you know the characters, the players involved, and I guess there's also an element of um, you know player X signs for Man United, and you think, well, that would never happen. But it's kind of funny that. This player who didn't really go on anything ends up having this wonderful career mm. based based around what a database thought might happen, you know, in, in the mid 90s. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of thing, again, it's just an extra element of, of uh, a fun to, to look out for. And it's, it's certainly what makes the blogs interesting. And, you know, I, I get more traction on a, a screenshot of someone signing for Man United who perhaps actually never got a non league in, in real life than I do anything else. So I think that's what a lot of people like to see. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think Ibrahima Bakayoko is probably the uh, the archetype of the the player that on Championship Manager was just outstanding, unbelievable, and in in real life didn't match up so much. Um, but he, when you signed him, it was a it was a brilliant for any sort of like big, like big club. Yeah, what what I love about him as well is that he signed for Everton about maybe maybe within a year of the game coming out, so it was still fresh in everybody's mind, and they thought, oh, this yeah. guy, this, this guy is going to be. You know, <laughs> It's going to be the boy. I used to sign back Yoko for, for Newcastle, um, just purely for yeah. Alan Shearer. Starts the game with a with a long injury, so he needed a striker. Yeah, unless, yeah. unless you fancy Dean Rush, which no one really did at 36. So I would yeah. always get back, back Yoko in. And when he signed for Everton, I was I was sure they were going to power themselves up the league. Didn't really work out that way for him, unfortunately. But uh, again, that's the type of thing that kind of adds some uh, some great memories to the game. True. Um, another guy. I used to like signing um, and actually sort of um, interacts quite well on Twitter is uh, Bjorn Heidenstrom, uh, the Norwegian guy. Yeah, I've, he was I've always a good signing in midfield. I used to get him and Mark Emmers, a uh, Belgian guy. They were they were a good combination. Quite a, sort of fairly. I think Mark Emmers was quite old in the game, but too good. Yeah. So uh, with Emmers, there's a funny kind of backstory to him, and that they, they messed him up in the database. So uh, he was actually at Perugia in uh, in real life, but. Um, Obviously, research wasn't what it was back then, so uh, they messed him up anyway, and he ended up being a, a minor team, which is why I'm picking up for, for nothing, and he's still a very good player. Um, yeah. They had two goals at Crick on that. When they released the patch, they put him at Perugia, but they spelled Perugia wrong with, with two R's, so again, <laughs> he, he, he remained in a minor team, so much to the delight of, of everyone who liked picking up a bargain. Um, 
whereas hide and strong um to be honest when i played the game sort of the first time around when when i was uh probably 11 or 12 he um he wasn't even on my radar to be honest i must not have spent much time in the, in the lower leagues but um as soon as i started the, the twitter account every other comment was oh you need to get hold of this guy and uh obviously i did and he is unbelievable for, for a third division player um he can play pretty much any level no bother whatsoever and uh, obviously it helps that he's very uh very happy to interact on, on twitter and he's, he signed a couple of books for us to give away and he came on on our pod on our chapman podcast a few months ago so um that kind of thing obviously is cool just to someone like me who's, who's talking and, and tweeting about this game all the time to have someone who's happy to embrace it and you know he, he fully concedes that he perhaps wasn't this all, all conquering world bit that he is in the game but uh he's quite ha- <laughs> quite happy to to have the the kudos for it anyway yeah, I think he, did he play for Leighton Orient on it? Something to do with Leighton Orient, wasn't it? Yeah, so again, again it's a bit, of a bit of a weird database quirk. He played four games, I think it was, for Leighton Orient in 96-97, around the time when, you know, when Peter Shilton came and played his yep. thousandth yeah. game? Yeah, I saw that. So I think so he, um, I think the, the, the thousandth game might have been against Northampton. I'm sure, I remember so he really? played for Leighton Orient. Well, yeah. there you go. We've accidentally come full circle. But um, yeah, yeah. And he, but played in that game. Um, he was, was one, of right. his, one of his four appearances. Was, was in that match um, but as luck would have it because of the way the Champman databases work, uh, Norway had a game released um, the season before so Heidenstrom was in the database for that mm. uh, and he carries across like basically the way it works is they made Norway's Premier League clubs have the same stat to say like an English Premier League club or else it would have been an awful game to play Everyone has. Yeah. <laughs> so they essentially had this Premier League quality player playing in Division 3 which is why he's so good um, <laughs> Which you know, again works out great for anyone who, who likes a bargain, and uh, it's made him very famous from it. So he uh, he, he won't be complaining. I, I like following him on Twitter. One for his championship manager uh, sort of uh, quotes and stuff, and two for his uh, he does loads of uh, photos of like um, sort of uh, rural Norway and like uh, you, you know like a snow you know field fields and uh, fjords and stuff like that. He's really quite a cool customer. He gets up, he gets about, doesn't he? He's uh, he takes a he takes a good photo. I think he has a I think he has a website where he's collated them all. Uh, yeah. The Norwegian fjords and things must be wonderful photo opportunities at different times of the year. So he um he's he's a very interesting bloke, not just for champ manager, but generally what he gets up to in his spare time. He's uh he's a very interesting follow. Yeah, he's he was a sort of he's a sort of player like when I used to play with Northampton because you always try and play with your hometown side and the team you support and stuff and um, he's a sort of player that sometimes I couldn't get actually for Northampton and um, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about the Cobblers squad in 97-98 and, and, and looking at it now I used to I'm happy to admit that I used to cheat a little bit with Northampton because <laughs> their team was a little bit uh, a little bit patchy here and there wasn't it? It was very forward heavy we had about 10 strikers Um yeah, I was looking at this squad um, just to see what we were dealing with here. And to be honest, I have so little memory of, of Northampton. I say I must have spent very little time in the in the lower leagues. Again, yeah. I guess when I was when I was that age, wasn't really at the age of wanting to build a squad from scratch. I was all about like, you know let's take over the biggest club and make them bigger. <laughs> but that's yeah, kind yeah. of that's kind of changed. I've got older, but uh, yeah. th- there's some interesting players in here. I, I was going to quiz you on a few. Um, you can do it's been a while since i've played it I'll, I'll probably remember a little bit well who do you think is the most valuable player in the squad if you remember that kind of era i'm go i'm going i'm i'll go with roy hunter probably 
Uh, so Roy Hunter is valued at a measly 56 grand. No, because he's good. Is he obviously a good player in real life as well? So not, yeah. the, not the highest, obviously not. No, you've got. Well, I'll tell you what. You've got you've got two players who are valued a million or above. Um, they're both Northampton. Yeah, both forward-thinking players. One's a striker and one's a forward, right, left, centre. Uh, so like Chris Freestone. Yeah, he's the he's the top top chap. He's 1.6 mil. Really? Is that yeah. is that is that on the version that's been sort of played in in, in the future? So it's or when it starts, he's worth that because I can't remember. Yeah, yeah no, that's this is day one of the of the, of the game. Really? Okay. Uh, and the other well, one. The other one is a guy called David Seal. David Seal, Australian yeah. striker, yeah. Well, I mean, both of them look like they've just signed for Northampton from Bristol City and Middlesbrough, respectively. So I guess maybe that's got something to do with it. Maybe they've carried their values forward, maybe. But um, either way. Yeah, not yeah, and yeah, some yeah, some good players. Like I'll go I'll, for the listeners. I'll go through the uh, striker roster that um, Northampton had at that point. So we had Chris Freestone, a guy called Christian Lee, who in real life was. Uh, uh, touted to be our first one million pound sale, but it never happened. Gary Thompson, who was uh, used to play for Villa years ago. Uh, David Seal, obviously Australian. John Gale, we had Kevin Wilson, uh, Carl Heggs, and Claudio De Vito, who I remember was actually a player with a bit of potential on it. He would be a player I would say whack in there and keep him in, and his value will go up. He's um he's got the dreaded big club release clause on on this one I've loaded here. He is only sixteen though, so. Does that mean uh, that he might the, the the developers say that he might be quite good? Yeah, basically if they've got big club release, it means they're probably young and um have got a decent potential ability. So um yeah, there's every chance someone will come in and snap him up if he gets games. Um, interesting, you've got a sixteen-year-old striker and then also a thirty-six and a thirty-seven-year-old. Quite a, quite a spread of strikers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think this is the season actually we got relegated, 97, 98. Yeah, 98 oh. we got relegated. Yeah, 98, 98, no, it was a year after that we got relegated. So uh, maybe the uh, unbalanced squad uh, sort of contributed to that. But um, looking at the squad as well, we got on um, champ manager 97, 98 for Cobblers. Um, we got loads of centre backs and one right back in Ian Clarkson and one left back in John Frayne. So if them, they got injured, you're, you're in trouble. <laughs> Yeah, John Frayne's so good he's a star player. And yet, yet Chris Freestone isn't he's with his 1.6 million price tag. So I'm not sure how they decided who were who star players, but uh, John, John <laughs> Frayne must be. John Frayne was uh, a legend who uh, scored at Wembley. So I think that, that's. Oh, well, there yeah. you go then. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that sort of, he deserves that, uh, that, that tag. But with this cobbler size, as we, as we sort of described, there was. People like Roy Hunter, who's actually a good player, and um, you actually tweeted, you sent me a, a tweet of a guy that had managed to get Roy Hunter sold for 3.4 million to Valladolid, was it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they say that the, the Chapman community is uh, thriving in lockdown, to say the least. Uh, a lot of people have gone back to what, what makes them feel safe, which is playing old Chapman. Sure. And uh, one of the screenshots that was flying about was, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, I think he's, uh, is it Olim? Um, he'd, uh, he'd been playing a save and, and Roy Hunter had, Popped off to Real Valladolid for nearly three and a half million, which he's got a good potential in the in the database. So I guess yeah, if, bad, if, not a bad if, little price tag. Um, I I actually because um, because we've um, spoken to Roy Hunter on the podcast, I texted him and said that, he, that this guy has sold you for three point four million, and he, he texts back, "They must be mad." <laughs> <laughs> but actually, in real life, he uh, just 
probably around this time, he he was very highly rated and he got really bad injury just as I think Wimbledon was, and um, Leicester were scouting him. So that 3.4 million, not actually um, sort of too fantastical. Um, so yeah, with this with this cobbler side, it needed a little bit of tinkering and um, I used to cheat in, in, in a couple of ways. One was, and you've had all these techniques before, one was I would add a manager and then I would, <laughs> I would get them to buy a lot of the crap uh, from cobblers and give me a little kitty. And then I'd use that kitty to buy some, like, only some small players, like minor league players. And then there, there was always the old uh, reset. If, if a game didn't go your way, press reset and start it up again. And then hopefully the, uh, the events would change differently. But I guess it's quite frowned upon, isn't it, in Chapman circles? Well, there's two different sort of schools of thought on this, whereas one is, you know, as long as you're not managing the team and, you know, moving the goalkeeper out, then you've still got to win the game, you've still got to find a way to do it. Uh, the other is, you know, what happens, happens, and it's, if, it, if you, you lose, you lose. But uh, it, whatever you get enjoyment out of, I think it's, that's all that matters. Yeah, um, also, do you remember the terrible injuries some certain players used to get, like a broken pelvis? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was that was how long are you out for broken pelvis? It's like a year or something. Uh, could, yeah, it could be it could be a year, it could be eighteen months. I mean, it does make us well, not laugh, but when players get a broken leg on the game and they're out for like twenty-one months, whereas now it's maybe maybe a month and, and they're back. Um, some uh, medical marvels have happened over the last fifteen or so years. Some of these injuries are nowhere near as bad as they used to be. I used to hate the broken pelvis. The broken pelvis. I don't know if anyone ever actually ever gets a broken pelvis in football, but it sounds more like a like a car crash or something. But um, that was the one I'd always be like, "Whoop! Time to reset." Yeah. It was always um, always in training as well. You think, what, what are you doing in training to get broken broken <laughs> pelvises and necks necks and things? Always like a lot of broken necks, a lot of strained necks, like just a massive punch up every training session. Yeah, I what. To be fair, with the Ian Atkins cobbler side, which this was, that was probably uh, quite industrial training sessions. Um, I, I thought I'd talk a little bit, and you, you all know these players as well, but uh, about some of the players I like to buy. Whether I ever played with Northampton, or I used to like playing with Hull a lot, Hull City, because they had quite a good oh, yeah. you could tinker with and bring on a little bit. Um, there was a guy called Carl Viet I used to like, Australian. Oh yes. Yeah, he was a centre midfielder, I think, attacker midfielder. I used to get him quite cheaply, and he was really good. Yeah, he was um, like a midfielder forward. Uh, was it Millwall? I want to say. I don't know if you got him off of the minor teams or free or something, but he was. Yeah, I used to sign him a lot. And then there was um, Lee Hughes, the left back, who uh, we can't work out if he's the Lee Hughes or not. But you can probably tell me more about who did I sign and who did you sign him off of? Uh, it's a it's a no I think it's a Norwegian club. They're called Hod. Like the the H H O D D, but they've always got like a little line through it. Um, mm. If it was anywhere other than that club, I would I would think it was the Lee Hughes, but uh, I, I, I can't find another record of this Lee Hughes, and the, the date of birth don't match up. Um, so uh, the jury's out. We're not sure. We'll have to go Lee Hughes hunting. <laughs> do you reckon there's a Lee Hughes out there that's just waiting to be interviewed by you who's like why have they never come <laughs> maybe the other one. yeah I mean I mean the other Lee Hughes has been through some things as well so he probably gets see, sees all these negative headlines and thinks you know what maybe I'll just, I'll just lie low <laughs> better, better off not <laughs> knowing about it um, 
So, and then I used to love the minor league. So that was like so fun going. I think it was such a good fun feature. And I'm not sure all of them were real players or not, but uh, some of them were, I think. And there was a guy, there was always a Claudio. I think he was oh, Brazilian. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I don't know if he was real or not. But. So with Claudio, um, we actually had a chat about him the other week. So on the sort of the out-the-box version, he was, he was on a free transfer. Yeah. And, and by the time they released the patch, which they kind of released in, I think it was around February 98, fix over a few bugs and updated a few transfers. Mm. He'd um he'd been snapped up by PSV, so loads of oh. the hearts were broken when they could no longer pick him up for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so they were trying to they were trying to sort of sort out any anomalies. Although it wasn't so much fun as for the people with no money like myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. There was um I mean it was nothing major but there was a few bug fixes. Like at this time there was um you know the three non EU rule. Um where you could only have three players who were from countries that weren't in the EU. Yeah. They, um, on the past, they extended that to four because I think people were kind of sucking the fun out of it when you couldn't sign all the villains you wanted. So they, uh, they tried to try to relax some of those rules a bit. But uh, I say it was, it was mainly just the odd the odd bug that got fixed. And uh, for example, the, the the max wages was was stuck at fifty grand, but the, this patch released it to hundred grand, which I guess is not happening. You didn't have to worry about that, but. Uh, no, if you no. were the spectrum, you could uh, you were a bit stuck. Yeah, there was another guy called Darcy, I remember. I think it was D-A-R-C-I or something. I'm sure, sure he was Brazilian as well. I can't, don't know if you can remember him. Mm, doesn't ring a bell, but uh, there's so many. There was many. a few of them. There was a few Brazilian guys. Um, I think, I'm sure there's one called Crocker Danielson or something like that. Just, <laughs> there were some very weird names. Um, so... If you could get any of the minor team players to come to Northampton, that was a bit of a coup, really, because sometimes they wouldn't you can get them. Uh, and then as you developed in, you wanted to you wanted to sort of move up a little bit. There were people like Tom Youngs, I remember, is really good for Cambridge, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, so Tom Youngs. Uh, I don't know what it was about Cambridge, but they had a lot of um, sort of 17, 18-year-olds who um, were so highly rated they nearly always ended up going on to, to bigger and better things. So mm. Tom, Tom Youngs... Um, I guess Trevor Benjamin did go on to play for Leicester in the Premier League, so I guess yeah. there was some sense in that. But there's a guy called Jamie Barnwell Edinburgh, like a double barrel. Yeah, player. I remember him. Yeah, yeah. He he was always pretty pretty handy. Um, so yeah, I mean, again, the, I don't know how the the Cambridge uh, researcher managed to get these all through. I guess <laughs> look look at the draw really, but had all their strikers as being stars of the future. I also liked, uh, and he was actually pretty useful in real life, uh, Roger Bolly from Walsall. Oh, yeah, yeah. I did an yeah. article about that. He's a, he, he was really good. Yeah, he was, he was far too good for uh, for um, Division 2 Walsall, but he's a uh, partner with a very young Michael Ricketts, if you're, uh, if you're into that sort of thing. so <laughs> That was uh, the good partnership. And um, and then uh, Rory Delap, the guy who's actually known for his long throws. I'm sure he was a striker on. Yeah, he's a he's a, a young striker at Carlisle. Um, no sign of being a, a long throw expert. Like apparently, that didn't he didn't really tell anybody he could do that till he was at Derby, which was obviously much later in his career. But uh, <laughs> it's, it was a weapon, wasn't it? But uh, yeah, he was a he was a young goal scorer in uh, in the late nineties. I've no idea how accurate that is, but uh, he was he was a pretty good pickup if you get him. Yeah, he was very, really good on on, on Chapman and. Uh, I guess if you got like two really um, good strikers, like if you could combine any of the players I've talked about, Tom Young, Roger Bolly, Delap, 
Claudia even anyone like that you had you had a good sort of springboard to sort of get on in the game I was sort of I did that and then and then find us find some defenders um who I often used to just go through the uh you know, the database and just search for someone with tackling maybe 19 so if you can get them up towards that 18 17 or whatever and then they're often quite good just with those defensive stats weren't they the defenders yeah exactly um with the defenders Really, the, the most important position on the game is your, is your goalkeeper. So if you've got a decent keeper, you can pretty much wheel anyone out in defence and they'll be all right. Yeah. Um, I used to like uh, Andrew Duncan, who was a oh yeah like yeah. an ex, I think he was an ex Man United trainee who was available for nothing. So you could, he was always one of my go-to signs if I was if I was starting low down. Andrew Duncan, and then any of those. Another way I used to cheat. I'm I'm probably giving you the cheaters guide. <laughs> another way of cheating was add add Man United. Release all of those really low earners, like in the young lads. Like I think Andrew Duncan was already released, but people like John O'Kane, I think it was, and there was quite a few of them. Philip Mulrine, was that one of them? Yeah, yeah, Mulrine and Thornley, Tre- Terry Cook. Um, yeah, even they're all probably at young Wes Brown as well. I think should be there. Brian McClare was good as well in the lower leagues. If you get him, oh yeah, a lot of people love Brian McClare. Um, I think one of the things about Man United squad as well was that. In the database, they had too many players. So when it when it's when it loaded a new game, there was always about five or six of them got got uh, sacked onto free transfers, basically just for lack of squad space. So yeah. if you could pick them up, happy days, because they're all you know far too good to be uh, to be in the lower leagues. But uh, a couple of games and they were you know starting to reach their potential. Yeah, definitely. What was what would you you played obviously a lot of games. What would you what was your your best achievement? Would you say in terms of like getting a team from low up to and and playing properly without cheating. Yeah, well, well, when I started the blog, my only aim really was to play through the whole game, so it, it runs to 2026, uh, and then the game literally stops and says no more, can't do any more. Um, so that was the, the aim of the game really. So I started off as uh, well, I had one failed attempt where the, the game corrupted, but I started again as uh, as Darlington and um, took them through the leagues, so the Champions League, and all all, all as you'd expect, and then just kind of went on a bit of a journeyman career, going to job to job. Um, the whole kind of once you get maybe 15 seasons in, you're running out of real players. So the kind mm. of run, running joke became Peter Beardsley was he, he wouldn't retire. We found a bug which I didn't know about. Um, but if you put a player on your shortlist, he'll never retire. So I had Beardsley earmarked to get his, his regen. So basically, when a player player retires, they come back as an 18 year old with the same skills. Obviously, again, for yeah. a league club, ideal. So I had him earmarked for that, but little did I know it would just stop him retiring. So he just kept going and going. So um, <laughs> it, it got to about 2020, I thought, I'm going to have to become the England manager and start capping Peter Beasley again in his mid-50s. <laughs> so he ended up, um, he, he had well over 100 caps by the last game. The last game of the whole thing is, is the 2026 World Cup, which is held in Mexico for some reason. Um, and anyway, the 65, 65-year-old Peter Beasley led the line. And as luck would have it, he scored the winner in the final, um, which, again, you can't really script these things, but that's the, the best possible way for that blog to finish. So um, I should really what is it one of the weird, did, the, did the regens in those days, I can't really remember, did the regens in those days have you to have strange names and stuff? Yeah, so there's, um, there's actually a, a notepad file within the game which lists all the possible names. So um, most of them are quite quite normal, but you can sometimes get a, um, a funny combination, like for example, um, Paul Gascoigne retired and came back as Rodney Waddle, which just, <laughs> just, just a silly name. Great really. name. 
Yeah, but if you, I mean, we've had a we've had a Paddy Power who was an Irishman who came came back. We had uh, <laughs> Henry Winkler who was a German in my Liverpool midfield. Henry Winkler as in the Fonz. The Fonz, yeah. <laughs> um, and it, it's all look at the draw. Like sometimes I just get myself lost looking through for funny names, but uh, it's yeah. uh, it, it's it's just 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 daft really. But I'm I'm easily amused. <laughs> Have you ever have you, have you actually ever met any of these sort of cult characters from Chapman? Was it mainly just online stuff? Uh, I've met Mark Kerr um, at an event a few years ago. Um, you've, I think you've done some some stuff with the set pieces before, but yeah, um, maybe well, when was it? Maybe four years ago, they they did a thing called the FM Project where they went to various locations in the UK and held a, a football manager tournament. Um, and in the Scotland one, Mark Kerr was the guest. Who did the draw at the start and hung around for a few, you know, mm. bit of bit of chat and a few pictures and he was, you know, he's really good crack. He was quite, to be honest, I think he was just happy to talk about football because he was he stood talking to me about Newcastle Scottish contingent at the time, uh, the likes of Matt Ritchie and Stuart Findlay and uh, a couple of others. I can't remember the top of my head, but he was from zero one zero two, wasn't he? He was, yeah. He he started Falkirk. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because coming into my head, Falkirk. Yeah, yeah. He started Falkirk and. Um, I think he was still playing at the time for someone like Air or Clyde. Um, he's the manager now, anyway, so he must have taken taken all the advice to, to heart. So. <laughs> Do you think if you were a player and you don't quite match up to your Chapman uh, statistics, it's a bit of a dowler on you? You're like, oh god, I didn't reach my potential. Yeah, just... well, that's, that's kind of my biggest fear when I when I try to interview any of these people, where you say like, so on the game, you you know you. You, you won the Ballon d'Or, but in real life, you know, you, play, you played in Division Three. How how was that? Like, I think um, I got spoke to a few, and like Cherno Samba, another one from a one or two. He he loves it, can't get enough. You know, I think he fully admits he made mistakes and couldn't handle the, the pressure of what was expected of him. But um, you know, he doesn't really have any regrets as such. Um, there's a few others who I've not spoken to. Like I think it was is it Freddie Adu, who was maybe or three four kind of times yeah he was uh one of these wonder kids and uh yeah i think he i think he blames the game yeah i think he blames the game a little bit for not reaching his potential but again it's got to be yeah i think you either have it mentally or you don't and if you if he wasn't able to handle that i mean there's a few different elements to it really i mean he's obviously a very young kid when he was coming through yeah uh, i think he got his big break then unless at maybe 14 or 15 um, if we, I don't, know, I wouldn't have been handled it at that age, so I cannot really blame. I think, um, Tommy Svindle Larson would be a good one to talk to. I'm not sure if you have. I'm trying to get hold of him. I, I've I've made contact with him. Um, on uh, Bjorn Heidenstrom gave us his, his details, and he, he wants to do it. Um, I think uh, lockdown has affected his business uh, somewhat, so he's, he's trying to get that in order before he can spend time coming to talk to me but uh, we, we've made contact and he's on the he's on the list we've just spoke to um nicholas alexanderson who can famously play every single outfield position on the game so he was, a, he was those a, um those versatile players were great obviously the best one was luis enrique of barcelona who uh just absolutely amazing play all yeah. right and he would always give you a good, good rating as well wherever he played yeah well that's it i mean again you're saying like when you talk to these people you want to say that alexanderson oh you know you were the poor man's Luis Enrique, but it's not really the way to start a, a discussion. So you just have to kind of find a find a happy medium. But uh, they're all, you know, most of them are quite happy to talk about it, and I think they appreciate the the past they've played in all our lives, no matter how sad it is. 
Yeah, Chapman, I think, is actually quite a good lingua franca in terms of you can meet people from all over the world and you can have a conversation, like football fans in, from that era, and you can have a conversation about it. I remember I was in a hostel in Prague, I think, and there were some Swedes in there, and we started getting talking about Tommy Svindal Larsson, and it was just, you know, it was just, it's just so nice <laughs> to chat about these random players, even, you know, you don't really know much about other stuff to do with Swedish football. Yeah, well, exactly. But as you say, it does uh, brings people together. Yeah, it's still doing it now. Like, what what would you say? Is it would it be impossible for them to? I know people are doing it themselves off their own bat, but would it be impossible just to, to to bring out an up to date version of Chapman ninety seven ninety eight with the like current time players, or is it because of all the the rights and stuff? It yes. So, I mean, there's a few different parts of that. So, as you say, there are, there's a website out there, which is cm9798.eu, um, who dedicate themselves to updating the database, which, you know, absolute fair play at them. Um, yeah. So, that, that's that's one element of it. But uh, you're quite right with all the, the copyright and marketing and stuff. Um, like, Sports Interactive won't touch um, anything to do with Champman now because they don't have the rights to it. Mm. Um so as you mentioned earlier, when they went to Football Manager, there was a split. Um, Football Manager retained sort of the, the gameplay, um, and all the history went to um, Edos or Dolmark or whatever the whatever they're trading under these days. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know how I don't know how amicable it was to put it bluntly, but uh, either way, the the, the paths just don't cross. It's a shame, really, because I think there there's still a massive market for. You know, just um, point and click or whatever you call it, games where they're, they're just, you know, they update really quickly and you can get get through a sort of um, just a, a reasonable amount of detail. And um, if they were to be able to do that, to sort of update it and, and, and bring a, a game less detailed than Football Manager, I think it would sell really well. But Yeah, I mean, they've tried that with, with I don't know if you've ever tried Football Manager Touch or anything like that, which you can get on either the, the Yeah, it didn't really do it for me. Get... I've tried it. Get on mobile. Yeah, I just feel like I'm playing half a game, which I, I, I know is entirely the idea, but uh, yeah. it doesn't stack up compared to when I've got you know all champs at my fingertips anyway. It, it, I, I don't really need to play them, so I guess it's not really for me. But um, again, they're, they're fine games, they're all right. But uh, we, we probably sound I'm, like really old men, and yeah, um, exactly. Like, I play um, <laughs> and 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 people I, I lo- still love in Football Manager and stuff, so it's all good. Um, but like, I, I, I've started picking up. Um, uh, FIFA again and uh, I still play say Pro Evolution Soccer as well for my sins and stuff but I play them and I'm just like have they made these games too detailed and too realistic that they've taken the element out of it and it's like I'm just like after half an hour I'm like go back to Pro Evolution Soccer 4 or something it's just much yeah, just, well, it gets to a stage where you you overload it with detail and it, it takes a joy out of it I think I mean you mentioned Pez there I mean I, I love Pez it's, it's probably my favourite gaming series aside from, from Jump Manager I've got every one still on the shelf and I get it every year and obviously this year I've, I've had played less than ever because of aforementioned New Child but uh, yeah. what I find when I'm playing like Master League which used to be such a simple mode if you played games you if you won games you got points to buy players with yeah. and now you've got a budget to, to try and handle and it's uh, I want to buy this player, but he's worth seven mil. But they want fifteen mil. I'm like, well, I'm not going to pay that. And uh, you know, it's it's it's, it's <laughs> yeah, like just listening about it's, it's, it's like being stressful. at work. It is stressful, and <laughs> you know, I, I find that I'm same as you. I think, well, I may as well just go upstairs and play PES Five on the PS Two, and uh, yeah, have an easier time about it. And 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 I find it strange. And this is really old man territory. I apologise to everyone listening that just 
finds this ridiculous but i find like the loading times i think on a modern console should have got quicker but it's all like online so it's like there's some lag and stuff and then there's all these stuff to get into the game and it takes you about 20 minutes to get in the game i'm just thinking oh <laughs> uh, yeah so i need to what i need to do is um i still haven't actually haven't done it properly because i've got a mac and i'm not particularly technical i'm struggling to get on cm9798 but can you explain to the listeners if they want to play it uh, not a mac but just just a pc really how, how you can do it yeah so um there's a full guide on the website which we'll no doubt give you at the end but uh Neighbor a kit called uh, called DOSBox, which is totally free, but it, it basically runs MS DOS on your computer the same way you used to have DOS back in the in the 90s. Um, and then you just you just download the game, which again there's a link on my site, um, and you just drag and drop the uh, the same two file onto the onto the DOSBox icon, and away you go. It's uh, it's quite it's easy, pretty straightforward. I think um, I'm just being a bit thick, and I I think I'll play it on my uh, on my I've got a, like a proper windows uh laptop as well so i think if i try it on that it might be slightly simpler yeah it is possible on a mac um i don't have a mac so i find it very hard to support people on it when they ask um i kind of rely on other people to answer the questions for me but uh i do know people who've got it run on a mac um but macs are scary to me so <laughs> it's uh i know it can be yeah, done, they're, but... they're simple in some ways but i just want the simplicity of being able to play it. and you know when i when i finish this i might uh, go and Go and download it and start sort of re refining re the game. But the only the only worry is, you know, like it's, you know that I'm going to be addicted to it. I'm going to be on it for hours. So it's like, I know it's caused divorces <laughs> and stuff over there. So <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, it's uh, it is a time killer. But uh, you know, in lockdown, why not? Yeah, exactly. But it's been um, it's been brilliant talking to you. I'm going to go and um, try and find uh, some of the old cobblers players. Claudio Devito, where are you now? I'm going to go <laughs> I'm going to f- I'll help you. I might help you try and uh, track some other players down we'll, we'll, we'll ring up Carl Veer and oh, yeah. <laughs> get, get them all on <laughs> but I still think there should be a convention when this is all over and hopefully people can mingle again get a convention together and you know yeah. it'd be well, this was this was Bjorn's great idea on on uh, the podcast. He came on. He was he, said he was full of ideas for it. And then about a week later, we we all went into lockdown for several months. So um, I'd love to see it happen one day. But uh, I'd definitely be a goer. You could get the the people there. You could have a little tournament. You get the players back. Get Freddie Adu down. Get Ibrahim Abaki. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because it, it would it would double up as a um, retro football festival as well because people just like these players anyway. So um, exactly. Oh, well, get some five aside. You get Cyril Wall of Marseille, one of my favourite players because of his oh, name. I, I'm sure he won't be busy here. <laughs> <laughs> but then I go, do you know that you go down the wormhole? You like Cyril Wall. I remember him. I did it the other day, and then I googled him. He played for Marseille. I used to sign him, and he he actually in real life he was like a hard man nutcase that used to take people out of the waste and stuff like that so it's funny oh. how you can um, find out about players just by looking at their name and stuff and find maybe, out more maybe we won't bring him then if he's a nutcase <laughs> he'll add a bit of edge to it but yeah listen, <laughs> talking to you and um you know keep in touch and let's uh i'm going to um keep the uh chat man tradition going in the Hampton and uh you know, um, make, make sure you do but uh thanks for having us on really enjoyed it yeah no worries and um you, can you just uh, tell the, the listeners your website if they want to go? Yeah, so um, the website is cm9798.co.uk or the Twitter is just at cm9798. Yeah, that's that's, pre- that's pretty simple. And um, there's uh, plenty of Cobblers fans out there that used to play it and I'm sure they'll be picking it up again. But um, good talking to you and we'll speak soon, mate. Take care. See you soon. See you, mate. Bye.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. <laughs> 